Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to talk to you today about finding it. Finding it. And uh, are you going to write it this way? Found in it. Found in it. And if you're new to our church, I'm going to go to two places, Daniel chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read about 10 verses today about a guy named Daniel, and I'm going to read a few verses from a guy named Jesus. Is that all right? And again, we're going to have a good time, and uh, we're going to lean in right now. I wish people would get more excited at church than they do at the movie theater. I wish we get more fired up at church than we do at a sporting event. Come on. get excited today. Matthew chapter 5, if you're there, say I'm there. I want to say a big uh, happy birthday. Brooke's birthday was this week. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. Well, happy birthday, Brooke. And uh, anybody else have a birthday this week? We had a birthday this week. Anybody birthday? Birth- happy birthday. Good to see you. A couple more birthdays. Welcome. Awesome. We celebrate birthdays around here. We just don't sing the birthday song. I told the Lord, when we move to California, we will stop singing the birthday song. You heard it a thousand times in a big church. It's just, yeah, we celebrate birthdays, but we just don't sing the song. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. You've been in an awkward church service when the pastor starts to sing. All right, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 5, let's look at verse 13 here. Jesus says it, very familiar passage. Let's read it together. Uh, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing. Say with me, good for nothing. But to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light. Say with me, light. What are you? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who is in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Who's heard that verse preached a thousand times? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, I know that. We're still going to have fun with it today. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. This is the story about when God sovereignly writes on a wall with a hand. And no one knows what it means. There's a king that is freaked out of his mind. He gets all of his magicians, his wizards. He calls Harry Potter. Or Harry Potter. Um, kidding. He, uh, he gets all these guys and he says, what does this thing mean? No one can solve the problem. So he summons this guy, this little Jewish guy named Daniel. And we'll pick up reading in verse 13. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king spoke to Daniel. Watch what he says about him. Are you that Daniel who was the one, one of the captives from Judah, who my father, uh, the king, brought in here from Judah. I've heard about you. I actually heard that the Spirit of God is in you. Notice this is a pagan king. Watch what he says. I heard that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, and that there is a, a light and an understanding and an excellent wisdom. Watch this. Found in you. There's wisdom, excellence, and light found in you. Watch what he says. Now the wise men, all the astrologers, are wizards, they couldn't figure out. We brought them in before me. No one was able to read or make known the interpretation of what was written on the wall. They could not give it to me. And I heard of you, and that you can give interpretations. Watch what he says here. And explain enigmas. I love this translation. Watch what he says. That you can solve difficult problems. Okay, if I could get everyone's attention for a moment. How many believe there's some difficult problems in the world? How many would say that we have, some, we have some politically charged, we have some racially charged, we have some animosity? There is an almost palpable uh, division and lovelessness in the world right now. There are some difficult problems that require some people that have the spirit of God. How many believe that? 
And so he says, I heard that you can solve difficult problems. Now, if you can, um, if you can read the writing on the wall and make known its interpretation to me, you shall be clothed with a purple jersey. It's Lakers. Um, colors of royalty. Come on. We'll put one of uh, two chains necklaces on your neck. And you shall be a third ruler in the kingdom of God, uh, in my kingdom. Then Daniel said to the king, you let your gifts be for yourself. And uh, let your rewards be for another. Yet I will, I will give an interpretation to the king. I love Daniel. He's one of my favorite figures in the Bible. Let's pray this morning. I want to talk to you today about being found found in it, found in it, the promises of God, found in it. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be at my favorite church in the whole world, talking to my favorite people in the whole world. I'm asking, Lord, even today that you would come. I'm grateful that it's at least 10 degrees cooler than usual. We say thank you. Come on, say thank you. I thank you that you're moving in Orange County. We know there's a lot of things that need your attention in the world, but I ask you today that in this moment of time that you would step into this tent, step into our computer screens right now, would you meet us where we are? If we're hurting, if we're in a desperate place, if we're in need of a miracle, if something needs to change, we invite you that today would be the day. We love you. We pray that you would bless us today, cause your face to shine upon us, and we thank you for the championship with the Lakers. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say amen. 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 Someone say unlikely. Have you ever found something you were looking for in an unlikely place? Who's ever found the TV remote in the refrigerator? Come on. Just me? You ever lost something and you started to realize, you're like, I think I'm losing my mind. I know I'm getting older right now because uh, when I buy plane tickets, it's not as easy to get to my age, to my year. You know what I'm talking about? When you're young, your age is the default. Are you know what I'm talking about? You just go and like buy a ticket. Oh, yeah, you're 21, right? You're born in 2015, right? You're 21. But now it's like getting harder uh, I know I'm getting older because now, you know what I'm talking about? It goes to the default age of like 21-year-olds and like 19, whatever, 99 or whatever it is. And now it's like, I'm like, brat. Brat. And I have to kind of scroll a little bit to get to, I know I'm getting older. I know I'm getting older because I'm forgetting things that I didn't used to forget. You ever been there before, though, that you like, you're looking everywhere, you're starting to panic because you lost your sunglasses? And your spouse says, where are they at? They're on your, oh my gosh, they are. I'm losing my mind. You ever lost your car keys? Who's ever gotten an argument with your spouse because you accused them? It's going to get quiet in this place. You, I'm sure you put them somewhere, Rochelle, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my keys? They're still in the door from last night. Have you been there before? It is the worst feeling when you misplace something. You find it in an unlikely location. That actually happened this week. We had a staff retreat in Lake Arrowhead. We stopped at a uh, Greek restaurant on the way up there. It's the only good food in Corona. Tough crowd. And uh, we ate this Greek restaurant, great food. And I uh, got like the, the hummus. Who loves the most? Some good hummus. Love Mediterranean food. That white sauce looks like mayonnaise, but it's not. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, so we, uh, we, we got all this great good Greek food. We drove up the mountain and we get to the cabin. I literally walked from my car into the kitchen, and I threw the trash away, and I, I said hi to everybody that was in the house. Our staff was in there, and I said hi to everybody. You ever lost something? And my phone, I couldn't find it, and I, I lost it, and I was starting to kind of panic. I'm like, when you first lose something, it's not a big deal. It's kind of like when you misplace your kids. Come on. In the beginning, you're like, ah, oh, they're around here somewhere. 
But after a while, you're like, has anybody seen my kids lately? And then it's like as every second goes on, there's an urgency. Oh, my gosh. And then pretty soon you're crying like, they're gone. <laughs> Happened this week. They're hiding in the pantry. Um, it's crazy. I, 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 at first, I'm like, oh, my phone's around here somewhere. I brought all my stuff into the house. And then I realized, like, man, where's my phone at? And I'm saying, hi, how you doing? Like, where's my phone? Hey, guys, where's my phone? Have you been there before? And I'm looking everywhere for my phone. I'm like, all my notes to teach our staff are on my phone. And so every minute that goes by, I'm starting to panic more and more. And I start retracing my steps. Who's been there? Who's ever gone to some place you've already looked at 14 times? I kept going back to my car and staring at the door panels. It's coming back. I know it. You ever gone back, stared at the same chair? You're like, oh, it's got to so wild, I mean, it's gotta be. And you leave, and then you're like, uh, and maybe it's still in the car. And you walk back, you stare again. All of a sudden, our whole, st- our whole team was like, what, Mark, what are you looking for? I'm like, my phone, I can't find it. And so now we have like 30 people looking for my phone. It is an operation. Like, this retreat will not start until this phone is found. It's like, the, it's like Luke 15. Come on, somebody. And we're looking everywhere for my phone. We're looking at my car. And listen, when you're an adult before kids, it's only where you could have put it. But when you bring babies into the world, it's like it could be anywhere. Dishwasher, toilet, we don't know. So we're looking everywhere. People are looking upstairs, downstairs, outside, in the front yard, in the car. We're looking everywhere for my phone. And uh, genius Nathaniel goes, hey, on your iPad, you can click on the ring, find your phone. I'm like, you're brilliant, bro. You got a race. We gave him a race this week, guys. And so we didn't. He's like, you better. Okay, I'll try. So we literally, we, uh, we, we hit the button to, to ring. So everyone in the house is like dead quiet. And you hear this faint, distant, right? It's like, it's like that's a good ringtone, right? And uh, literally, I, I, uh, everyone's quiet, and we're looking all over everyone's position. And, and in, the, in the kitchen, thank God for Aubrey Bristow, she goes, I bet you, I have five kids. I bet you it's in the trash. That's a bomb statement right there. It's got to be in the trash. So she opens the trash up, and to our surprise, the ring gets louder and louder and louder. She pulls out of this garbage, out of this nasty, come on, you know she's a mom. She's cleaning some diapers in our day. She was not phased at all. My phone was baptized in hummus. It was thoroughly covered. She pulls it out. She starts wiping it up. I didn't have to ask her. She's, like, cleaning this thing up. She got she one of those moms, like, she has diaper wipes in her tool belt. She's ready to wipe this thing down. We find my phone. To God be the glory. Come on. I was praying this week. You're like, Mark, what does that have to do with anything about Jesus? I was thinking about this week that, you know, so much of what's happening in the world shapes our identity. And I don't know if you've caught this, but it's it's not very difficult. It doesn't take very long to actually turn on the news or look at your phone to find out there's a lot of garbage going on in the world. There is a lot of trash. There is a lot of stinky, smelly, sticky, difficult circumstances in the world right now. And I want to talk to you today about this idea. My thesis, if you're taking notes, is I have this idea is that what are we found in? What is our identity found in? What is our confidence found in? What is our convictions rooted in? And I started thinking about it is so easy not to be found in a clean pocket in God's promises, it's easy for society to kind of throw us and misplace us in the trash. 
Our, our faith gets thrown in the trash. Our hope gets thrown in the trash. Our, our, our standards of life get thrown in the garbage. And I was reading this week, and I know it's a familiar passage. I would even say preachers don't even like to preach on it because it's so familiar. But I want to remind Orange County, as I was going through it this week, studying it, that your identity is found in the promises of Jesus. Your identity is in found in, the, in who the promises of God say that you are. So if it's okay with you, I would like to remind all of you of who you are. If you follow, believe, and prescribe to the teachings and the person of Jesus, I want to remind you, Orange County, that you are, number one, salt. You are salt. And I think that it's worth mentioning because I look online, I look around the world today, and I think that we are being plagued in the North American church with Christians that have lost their saltiness. We have people that have lost their flavor. Jesus said that, hey, you, you want to know what your identity is found in? You are my salt. You know what salt does? Number one, salt will always do a couple things. Back then, like today, salt seasons. You ever taste something that's really bland? What do they say? That needs some. Come on, that's a, that, that guacamole, it needs some. Come on, it needs some. Need some salt. There's something about God's people that have the ability to season a bland world. God's people are called to actually season the entertainment industry. We're called to season the arts. We're called to season the educational world. We're called to season government. We're called to season the religious sector. Are you hearing me today? We are. Say with me. Salts. And I want to remind you that we are found in the promises of God that first and foremost we are salt that seasons. We are salt that, number two, it preserves. I think many of you are like, Mark, of course it preserves. Listen to me. Why are we not preserving a world that's decaying? You know what the ancient world did? They didn't have sub-zero refrigerators. Come on, in their 16,000 square foot houses. You know what they had is they had salt. They would actually work salt into the fabric of the meat. In the food, and it was that salt that actually rubbed into it would slow the decaying process. It would prolong the life expectancy of the food. I believe that God wants us to actually prolong the life expectancy of people's hope, that we're supposed to season people. You know what else salt does? It doesn't just season and preserve. I'm fired up. Is that all right? It actually heals. You know it has medicinal purposes? You get, you get operation on your mouth, they rip out your wisdom teeth. What do they say? Gurgle some. What kind of water? Salt water. Why? Because there is something in salt that heals. It sterilizes. I look around the world today, and I am actually, I'm really disturbed that people inside of the church are just as jacked up, just as angry, just as bitter, just as unforgiving, just as wrathful just as revenge-oriented as people that have never experienced his goodness. And I am convinced that there is something in the gospel of Jesus that brings healing to us, and as it heals us, it begins to heal others. Come on, say with me, salt. I am found in my identity that God wants me to be salt that seasons, that preserves, that heals. How about this, salt melts. In Idaho, when it would rain or when it would snow and our sidewalks got frozen, you would go out there with some, come on, what would salt do? It would thaw out the frozen. I am convinced there's people today that have frozen spiritual hearts. But we have Christians that have lost their salt. And they stay frozen. We hang out with them. They don't change. We don't change. We're all the same. 
and we have lost our, our property to begin to heal, to begin to melt. How about this? When your water is on the stove, what happens when you put salt in it? It boils faster. You know what I believe salt is called to do? God wants you and I to be salt that actually brings the lukewarm to heat. That brings those that are kind of like, ah. We are salt that turns people higher. Can I, come on, can I point the gun at you for a second? Do you make people love God more or less when you hang out with them? Does your presence inspire and invigorate a joy in God? Does it incite something in you that goes, man, I want to spend more time. Man, I want to be more like Jesus like they are. I believe that we are called to be salt that seasons, that preserves, that heals, that melts, that, that actually heats things up to a boil. You see, I believe that we can be salt without being salty. I think that we get salty when we have too much in one place. I heard one scholar say that Christians are like manure. They are not good in one pile. That stinks. They are good when they are distributed throughout the cities, throughout the fields, and throughout the world. Can I get an amen? If you're going to give God a clap, give him a good hand clap today. He's here. We are salt. The ancient world said that salt was valuable. It was so valuable that, and that in some customs and cultures, salt became, salt became a currency. Salt is valuable. That's why Colossians 4, 6 says that let your speech always be gracious. Gracious, always, not sometimes, even in political years. Come on. Always be, come on, gracious. Season with Know how to answer each person. I am, I am troubled by the lack of social skills social media has created. It's in the pursuit of social media that we have lost our social skills. Mike Tyson, the great scholar, he said it this way. He says social media has, has made people forget what it's like to get punched in the face when you're rude. We live in a world that no longer gets punched in the face when they're rude. Everybody's brave until they get hit in the nose. Come on. And I'm telling you that we need to be people that know how to answer each person with grace, but with truth. I heard one person say that grace without truth is like medicine with no medicine, uh, medicine bottle with nothing in it. But truth without grace is like surgery without any uh, anesthesia. We got to have both grace and truth. If you believe it, say amen. I love this idea that even in Lot, the Bible says, remember Lot's wife. We know the story that Lot and his wife were the pastors of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they became so much like Sodom and Gomorrah that when God said only 10 people are required to save this whole city, he could not find 10. And here's the indictment of Lot's wife. is She became in her death what she was called to be in her life. Salt. I believe that Lot and his wife would have been salt in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know that they say it was one of the most beautiful cities in the world? Cities are preserved when God's saints are salt. And not only does he say that you're salt, can I tell you what else your identity is found in? Check this out. You are light. I would like to remind you today a couple of basic facts about light. Number one, light is outward. It's visible. It's on the outside. People say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just keep it to myself. If your friends don't know you believe in Jesus, you probably don't. Can I get an amen? And I know this is not PC, politically correct, but I want you to know, I heard one atheist, Penn and Teller said it this way. Penn said, I am an atheist, and after one of my magic shows, he said, there was a guy that came up to me. 
he said that he was very kind. He was very complimentary. He actually gave me a Gideon Bible. And Penn looked at him and said, are you trying to proselytize me? And the guy said, yes, I am. And Penn, who was an atheist, he said this. I remember, you can look it up on the internet. He looked at the camera and he started, with te- he started getting teary-eyed. And he said, you know, I don't believe in God. But he goes, I respect that this guy's faith was so sincere that he believed that what he had could help me. That's what he says. He says, if you really believe that your God could save, how much would you have to hate somebody to keep it to yourself? He said it this way. This, he goes further. This is what he said. He said, if you saw a semi coming down the road and you believed that what you knew could get someone out of the road from getting hit, how much would you have to hate somebody to not act? He said, I don't believe in his God, but I respect his action. I believe we live in a day and age that is so worried about people knowing about what we believe that we keep it to ourselves. But light is not a private activity. Light is public. Light is found and it's for dark places. Come on, somebody. What does he say? You are the light of the church. You are the light of the Christian circles. You are the light of the the language of Zion ghettos. No, he says, you are the light of the Notice this, John 3, 16, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. God so loved the church. God so loved the what? I want to remind you that our message is not for us, it's for the world. That our light is not for us, it's for the world. And guess what we're called to be in God? We are called to be light that dispels darkness. And you know what else light does? It attracts people. It even attracts bugs. Have you noticed that? I say amen to that. I've seen some Christians, and people come to churches, they track some bugs sometimes. Is you actually have this salt and light. That's what we're called to be. I learned this, that salt, if it gets in your eyes, it'll burn your eyes. If it gets in your cut, it'll burn your cuts. That's why I stay off social media arguments. Because I feel like God's given me a salt that'll burn some eyes and cut some wounds. Come on, burn some wounds. I think that God wants us to be a salt and light believer. You see, all throughout history, people go, Mark, well, the world is just so dark. I want to remind you, there is nothing new under the sun. I want to remind you that throughout history, there has been wicked pagan worlds, wicked pagan kingdoms. The Bible speaks of Daniel, as we read about. Do you realize that Daniel's entire ministry life was in exile? Let me say it in modern day. He lived in 2020 his whole life. Poor guy. Daniel, he, he's there. In, in the times of the New Testament, they lived under Caesar. Who holds the power in our lives? If we really believe that Jesus holds the reality of heaven and earth in a culture like ours, then his lordship will be tested. What are you saying? I'm saying that Daniel is the model of what it looks like to be salt and to be light. Some of you don't know about Daniel. Let me tell you a few facts about him. Number one, he was 13 years old when he was taken out of Jerusalem and became a slave and a steward of the king. This kid at 13 years of age, can you imagine this 13? You're in junior high, 7th grade, 8th grade. And he spends the next three years learning the language, writing the literacy of the Babylonian world. We know that he actually, he prescribes to a different diet. He's a part of the, he's from a royal family. He's actually a non-bower. He had renowned wisdom and intelligence. He actually passed three years of the highest educational scrutiny. 
He was 10 times wiser than anybody else that ever lived or in his time. He, was, he had specialization in dreams and interpretation of, of visions. He had legendary integrity, unwavering righteousness. Ezekiel actually says in 14 that there was no one as righteous as Daniel except Noah and except Job. Job, and Daniel is this guy who, he has zero dirt on his life. That's so amazing to me. That he lives in one of the most wicked worlds that's ever been. Under the most tyrannical king in the history of the world, Nebuchadnezzar. And in a dark pagan kingdom, regardless of who's in the White House, what do we know is that he still was full of God's kingdom and God's light. How do you know this? He influenced four kings. He actually was promoted by four different kings. He actually was 80 years old when he was thrown into a lion's den because of his faith in prayer. We know this guy is unlike other people because he was, his whole life, he, was, he remained salt and light even in a dark world. Are you tracking with me? Daniel lived with incredible convictions. And we read in Daniel chapter 5 that he was offered. Watch what happens. He was offered in that moment prestige, wealth. He was offered power. And watch what happens. He declines all of it. And he says that I know where my wisdom is derived from. I'm not going to honor a temporary kingdom. I'm going to stand for an eternal kingdom. We are salt. We are light. I want to remind you, Orange County, that we are not here to make, make Republicans or Democrats of all nations. We are not here to leverage our livelihoods and our influence for current events. We're here to leverage them for eternal events. And many people today, they don't realize this, that we have an everlasting, unshakable kingdom. But here's the problem today. We are so saltless because our society has framed us more than God. How do you know? Because there's, there's things like media. Do you realize that every day, media is nonstop. It's pouring into all of us. Most media is the antithesis of the teachings of Jesus. We get sound by truths. We not only have media, we have, say with me, marketing. We have marketing. Do you know that today, in one year, we experience more ads than people 50 years ago would experience in their entire lifetime? So we have marketing. We're being branded every single day. Not only is there marketing, there's economics. We are actually raised in America. We're taught that more is better, but we're also taught this, that better is not enough. Trying to attain things and experiences that make us feel good about ourselves. The supreme value of life in the North American world is what we can acquire. Success is defined in one word in our culture. You ready for it? More. We're obsessed with more. How about this? We are shaped in a saltless world, in a world that's lost its way with sexuality. Our culture preaches it. It, it preaches this all the time, that, that sexuality is purely physical. There's no harm. There's no foul. I would tell you that if sexuality was, was, merely, was merely just uh, interaction of physicality, then why is it that sexual damage and, and trauma and abuse is so much harder to get over than, all, uh, than physical abuse? I want you to know there's something with sexuality that, that has holy ramifications to it. Porn has taken sex out of the bedroom and has made it a form of entertainment. We live in a culture that religion... I talked about this last week, that all are equally important and the same according to the culture that we live in. Claiming otherwise is cultural treason. You can't speak up that Jesus is different than everybody else, but he is. We live in a culture that's self-image oriented. 
We have self-idolatry that's so far gone that people speak without irony of, quote-unquote, my truth, as if their preference or perspective, or perspective somehow creates an objective reality. The world does not revolve around your form or your brand of the truth. Truth is not up for sale. Come on. Truth is not something that you fabricate. Truth is not something that you identify. Truth is not up to you. Truth is what it is. I'm telling you today that God wants to make us salty again. We must live in a kingdom, in the kingdom of God, in such a way that, that provokes questions for which the only answer is found in the gospel. I love that quote. The problem today is the power of narrative. You see, narrative is our culture's currency. He who tells the best story wins. And that is the problem in the world that we're living in right now. We live in a half-good news narrative. Even in the Christian world, we live in a half-good news. You know what our, our half-good news is? Is that we are born sinners. Jesus came, lived, died, resurrected. He saves us. We got to tell people about him. And then we got to just hide until heaven comes. That is a half-truth. Let me tell you the full narrative of, of the gospel is that there is a real creator and there is a real creation story. Do you know where, you want to know where your, your certainty and your identity comes from? Check this out. It comes from the fact that there is a creator that made you in his image. This is for somebody today. Do you know that you were not made in your image? You were made in God's image. One scholar said, in the beginning God made man, and ever since man has been trying to return the favor. We do not make God in our image. We are made in his. Can I get an amen? If I can get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Help me out. Give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise. A Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something today. There is a creation that evil is a distortion of God's creation. There is a real fall. Sin entered the world. Uh, states can come up here. Through one man's disobedience, we know that Adam opened up a Macintosh computer. Come on. It's a church joke. It's forbidden fruit. Come on. And through one man's disobedience, there was a fall of humanity. But we also know there wasn't just creation and a fall. There was redemption. Redemption means that Jesus came through one man's obedience in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. He redeemed the world. And here's where most people miss the narrative of Jesus. Is Jesus does not just want to get you to heaven. He actually wants you to smuggle some of heaven into world. Into this world. You see... Restoration means this, all things are new. God wants Jesus to make all things new in your marriage. God wants Jesus to make all things new in your mind. God wants Jesus to make all things new in your business. You see, God, the gospel doesn't just have the power to save our souls. It has the power to wash our minds. God is a God that restores. God is in the renewal business. There's a kingdom power here and now is his message. You see, rightly ordered hearts lead to rightly ordered lives. So the biblical story was we were created in God's image. Are you still with me today? That the world that God created was perfect and he loved it abundantly. But we were tempted by Satan. Adam and Eve sinned, causing us to be separated from our loving God. Jesus came and died and rose again to redeem us, and now we have the privilege of joining God for the renewal of all things here on earth. We're salt. We're light. Redemption. It means the participation 
Redemption participation means that we do not hate this world. We're not protesting this world. We are participating in it with a vision of the way of Jesus. You see that we are salt and we are light. Unlike this pagan society that we're in, that really they call it the idolatrous trinity, sex, money, and power, that defines our cultural ethical vision. Instead of being driven by money, sex, and power that lead to burnout, Orange County, check this out. We're supposed to be driven by faithfulness, generosity, and servanthood. You see, Timothy Keller said it this way. He said the early church was strikingly different than the world around it. The pagan world was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and everybody their body. And Christians came on the scene and gave practically nobody their body and practically everybody their money. We need to be people, John Tyson said, that are marked by financial promiscuity and extramarital sexual stinginess. In the ancient world, in the ancient world, it's going to get quiet in here for a second. I'm stepping on some toes. I want to tell you today, I, I, I committed to God that I would rather smack people with truth than kiss people with lies. And I'm going to tell you the truth, Orange County, that there is a God that you can know, that there is a God that you can live with, there is a God that you can be filled with. He'll help you solve hard problems. He'll actually bring light and truth out of your life. And I want you to know that if you chase what everybody else is chasing, you'll end up just like they end up. But if you'll go after God, you see, humility is about the redirecting of your powers. Whether physical, financial, intellectual, or structural, you live for the sake of others. You see, there's two words, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy is right doctrine. It's right teaching. It's funny to me that in Orange County, can I just tell you a secret? It is so funny to me. How even though Orange County doesn't live full on fire for God, everyone still wants their kids to believe in God, go to a Christian school, and know that Jesus is the way. But it's so funny because orthodoxy is right teaching. And everybody cares about that in Orange County. But orthopraxy is actually, it doesn't mean right doctrine, it means right living. And it's so funny that we value orthodoxy, but we disvalue orthopraxy. I would tell you today that your Christian maturity is not gauged by how many verses you have memorized. It's by how many verses you live out. You see, knowledge and information are not power until you live them. The Holy Spirit wants you not only to know the scriptures, he wants you to live the scriptures. You see, the Bible was not written to tell you what God has done. It was written to tell you and me what God will do, what he wants to do, what he will do in and through our existence. You see, if information has to be matched with practice, or Jesus himself said that the world would create a crater of deception. See, so many people, they know more than they practice. Can I be honest? We have more podcasts, more teaching, more great communicators, more great pastors than any other window in history, and yet we still have some of the most morally bankrupt Christians that ever walked the earth. God, I don't want to just know more. I want to live more. I want to be found in your salt. Are you with me still? In your light. I'm almost finished. We are salt and light. You see, when I was growing up, my, my mom and dad would tell me about a church that sins were, convi uh, a, a church that had power. And really, there used to be good and evil. There used to be righteousness and wickedness. Now it seems like, have you noticed this? The lines are blurred. 
Have you noticed that there's no longer like a right and a wrong way? It's crazy that back in the day, we used to go to church to confess our sins. Now we go to our therapist and justify our struggles. I'm for therapists, I'm for counseling, but I'm also for bringing what needs to die to God. Jesus, help us in our day. We wanna be salt, we wanna be light. I think God, would you please help us to celebrate our redemption with a passion and a joy beyond any of the intensity of my former rebellion and my former darkness. It's crazy how I meet guys that are like, oh, I used to party, I used to club, I used to be so fired, I used to do da 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 da, and they're excited about it. And they come to church with their hands in their pockets. And they're too cool to worship God. And they're not, they're not excited about Jesus. I think that Christians should enjoy salvation more than the world enjoys wickedness. Can I say it again for those in the back? I think Christians should enjoy salvation more than those that are lost enjoy wickedness. We serve a God that wants to make us salt and light. And I was praying this week, you know what salt and light is trans, it's, it's the vehicle of salt and light is usually one word. You ready for it? It's love. Do you know how light and salt usually circulate through the earth? It's through love. God told me this this week. He said, Mark, tell my people that I am love. Tell my people that I build with love. I drive out fear with love. I cover a multitude of sins with love. That I give great peace to those that love my word. He said, tell my people that, that it's, it's my love that's stronger than death. He said that my love empowers my people to keep my commandments. He says, it's my love that empowers you to love your enemies. And it's my love that is not, it's never designed and was not created to be a second love, a third love, or a fourth love. Jesus said that my love has to be a first love. And if I could summon Orange County with the truth, that Jesus is not an elective credit. He's not what we do on Sundays when we have nothing else going on. The Bible is not a book that we read when we have nothing else going on. He is not my last choice. He's my first choice. I'm not throwing rocks today. I've been there. I, I'm just as guilty as you are. But I feel like the Lord is summonsing his people to say, you want to be salt? You want to be light? Then let's invite Jesus back into our lives. People say, oh, Mark, can it really change anything? Can a few people really change Orange County? My answer is yes. Jesus is the salt and light of the earth. And I wanna remind you today, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. People say, Mark, can a small group change anything? Never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. One scholar said it this way, it's the only thing that ever has. Stand your feet, I feel his presence. We're gonna be salt. We're gonna be light. How many wanna be salt and light? I, I think that God is looking for people that are willing to stand up. You know what's so funny to me? It's funny growing up how everyone wanted to be different. I wanna express myself. So we go out, we buy a pair of tennis shoes that no one else had. And then everybody, like the cool kid would buy the shoes and then everybody else would buy the shoes. And it's funny how there's entire sec uh, sections of people that desiring to be quote unquote different Everybody ended up being exactly the same. We want to be different. Here's the irony. This is the paradox of today's world. Is Christians want to make a difference, 
but we just don't want God to make us different. I want to be used by you. I want to serve your kingdom. I want you to, I want you to use me as a bridge. And then they go to their pastors and say, I'm leaving the church because people are walking on me. You told God to make you a bridge. <laughs> we pray prayers and we forget about what we prayed. God, I want to make a difference. Then God says, all right, let's change some of your lifestyles. Let's come higher. Let's do something that would capture the imagination and the attention of your friends. Wait, you're not, you're not getting high anymore? Wait, 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 you're, you're, wait, what, what, you don't want to go out tonight? Wait, wait, you're reading, your, you're going to a Bible study? Wait, wait, you can't stay out late because you're going to church tomorrow? What happened to you? You know what makes difference? Different people. You know what makes a difference in the world? Different people. And we will be salt. If you go to our, if you go to this church, Ocean's Church, we will be salt and we will be light to this city. We're going to preserve. We're going to season. We're going to heal. We're going to warm up. We're going to thaw out. We're going to be salt but not salty. Amen? Give me a hand clap if you believe it today. I feel his presence here today. Would you close your eyes? I hope, my hope today is I can just provoke you to maybe get a little bit hungrier for God. I feel like most of the people I identify with the most in the world are the ones that aren't alive anymore. Former revivalist. I look around much of the body of Christ, I don't find people that are burning with passion for God. And I'm not throwing any rocks at anybody, but I just like to say, man, I, I want to be a church and I want to I wanna live a life that like Moses, I'm on fire, like the bush, that I'm on fire but I'm not burning out. And I just want to pray for you today. You're like, Mark, I want to be salt and I want to be light. That's one of my deepest cries is that people would come to our church and go, man, I've never felt a presence like that. Never felt the, whatever, the anointing like that. Man, I haven't felt this type of atmosphere of faith since the Jesus People Movement. Haven't been to a church like that since I was at John Wimber's church. Haven't, haven't felt that kind of grace and since I was with Chuck Smith back in the day. I, I want to be a part of, come on, a movement driving church of light and salt. I just feel like God wants to bring us back to the altar. You know where Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you want to know how they stood in a, in a pagan world? because they were mentored by a kingdom led by Josiah. Josiah turned everything around in his lifetime. He tore down all the high places. He was one of the most righteous kings in the history of the world. And Daniel, my shack, your shack, in a bungalow, those little Jewish boys, they had a bulletproof conviction because they saw a king that was sold out for God. And I believe, listen to me, that those of us that sell out for God and we say, God, I'll give you all that I have. I'll, I'll leverage my business. I'll leverage my platform. I'll leverage my French. I'll, I'll let you use any part of my life to spread your salt and your light. I'm telling you, you'll raise up another generation of kids that will change the world. We're going to be salt and light. How many of you say today, can we just pray this all over, the, all over the tent online today? Would you just say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me? I want to be salt. How many feel like, you know, Mark, I, I love God, but I feel like I've lost in some of my salt. Would you pray for me today that God would reinstate my saltiness?
How many just, can we be honest in the church? Is that all right? I feel like I've lost some of my fire for God, lost some of my, my convictions, some of my, I just feel like I've lost some of my love. Would you be honest, honest enough today in our church, just lift your hands right now and say, Mark, would you pray for me that God would make me salty again? I don't want to lose my fire. Would you, my hands go all over. I love that we have an honest church. Does not make you strange to respond to God. It makes you mature. God, would you make me salty again? I've lost some of my standards. Listen, if, you, if your church is not a place that you change your mind, find a new church. This is where we, we change our minds about affairs. This is the environment that we change our minds about cheating, lying, stealing, robbing, corrupting. This is the atmosphere of change. And with our hands lifted today, God, we say, Lord, make me salty again. Who would pray that prayer today from their heart? God, would you make me salty once again? How many would say, Mark, would you make me light? God, make me light today. Make me light to a dark world. Would you lift your hands towards heaven if you want to be salt and light? I pray like vessels. I pray like vessels, like a jar that you would empty out the darkness, that you would empty out the corruption, that you would empty out the selfishness, that you would empty out, Lord, the perversion, the paganism, the idolatry. God, empty us of us and fill us with you. We are your vessels. We are your vessels. I am your vessel. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.